eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's get to our boy, three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove, award <laughs> winner, play for the Mariners. You don't get it far enough. Uh, not yet. Not yet. It is slicing left. That's okay. All over slicing left. That's okay. Oh, man. Monte the Butcher. Oh, man. Wait. Brett Boone had three lockers while he was with the Mariners? What the hell did he need? Barry Bonds half four with the Giants. Why does Brett need three with the Mariners? All right, we're joined by Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in all the Major League Baseball and all around sports every single week. He was so good the first time. We had to get him back on a second time, and we'll probably have him on the third and fourth and fifth. Brett, good morning, man. What the hell are you doing with three lockers with the Mariners? Where did that story go? That's a great story. You know, I completely (laughs) forgot about that. I did. I had three lockers. What, so what did you um, you store the cleats in one, the gloves in the other one, and just your uniform in the other? What, what was going on there? You know, it was kind of a shtick after a while. <laughs> my, my teammates looked at it and said, "You know, that's great. He's got two lock." And I said, "Why not three? So I had, three. <laughs> I had Boone, I had Boone, Boone's friend, and Boone's other friend, and that was the heading on the lock. No, it, it was it was sticky. Uh, I was a, late in my career, especially. I became obsessed with my bat Edgar Martinez I blame for this he had he had a, uh, a scale and and never in my life have I ever weighed a bat I just thought you know I ordered my my dozen was 34 32 but later in my career I started to get really anal about it like it's got to be 31.7 oh. 31.9 and I'd be sitting there and I'd weigh them and I'd go I, I would I think it led to me retiring wow with you. <laughs> well, I would have all my bats lined up and then Every day I'd go out for batting practice and I'd take four with me. And, I, and I'd use all four and I'd find which ones that were going to be my next gamer. And I just kind of had, had a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a process I went through. And then, I don't know, just ended up having three lockers. And it, it, like I said, it ended up being a, a sticky thing. It was funny. But, uh, yeah, 
you brought that back. I for, I forgot that that happened. But uh, well, Brett, let's go down this rabbit hole because let's go down this rabbit hole because I, I'm you know coaching all the, the kids right now, and you know a lot of these kids are 12 years old and they want to get like an, an adult glove, if you will, a high school glove, right? And so I help them find gloves and, and shape the gloves for the kids. Some kids are Rawling diehard, some are Wilson, and everyone's got their own way of doing things. And and it feels like the glove game itself has stepped up because now everyone wants to show you know expression for what they look like, you know, let me get a blue glove and a red glove. Were you Rawlings? Were you Wilson? Were you a particular model? Like, what What were you rocking, man? Did you have multiple gloves? Okay, my first glove that I really took to, when I, you know, when I got to that little league level yeah. where, where I started to play, uh, Pete Rose gave me a glove when I was a kid. He was from his third base days. I remember it to this day. It was a GIC3E. And I used that glove through high school, it ended up getting stolen. Now, Mizuno, I ended up, my whole career, I used Mizuno. Gotcha. They changed the model, but I gave it to him. I said, it's a GIC3E. I could always remember that. I remember Curly Bates, who was the original Mizuno guy. And they they made a new glove. It was like the 600 MVP, and then that was my glove. And I used that for my whole career. I couldn't get away from it. Gloves are so... You talk about shaping and all that. We all have, you know, my glove was considered ugly. It was a frying pan. It was kind of Walt Weiss used a was similar it, glove. Was it floppy? It was ugly. Floppy, ugly. Oh, I hate big, those. Too big for a second base. Nobody liked my glove, which was great. I didn't really care. And, I, you know, I, I one day I remember Ichiro being a teammate. He's very particular. I mean, he's got to have his glove right and polished every day, sitting in his locker polished. Mine, I just throw in the dirt and he... I remember one day he came up to me, he said, Boone, in his accent, he goes, you have no respect for your equipment. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, Ichiro, look at your pretty glove. I said, mine's just as gold as yours. So don't worry about it. You know, it's, it, it is. It's, very, it's a unique thing, a guy's glove. Because I had a routine once a year. I put that glove, that was my gamer for the year, and then I had a new one that I would break in yeah. using BP. That would be my gamer a year later. Guys like Walt Weiss uh, used used his glove from his rookie year until the, I think his his second to last year or last year in the big leagues. It finally just wore out on him wow. and he couldn't wear it. But guys are particular. Everybody has a different uh, different way of going about it. But it's whatever works for you. Man, Brett Boone here on the Morning Ross on 95.7 The Game. Let me ask you this one, Brett, because I do want to get into what you talked about with Mike Kruko and John Miller, of course, iconic broadcasters here with the San Francisco Giants. John will actually join us tomorrow on the Morning Ross on 95.7 The Game, so that would be a lot of fun. But I want to ask you about this because the Giants right now, they're winning some games and they're bringing up some of the youngsters. So as a veteran, because you were a veteran in this mm. league and you saw somebody, whether it's a new hot shot from AAA, the prospect that everybody's talking about, he finally comes up to the show – as a veteran, do you feel obligated to take that youngster under your wing? Or how do fellow veterans feel about that? Do they just kind of look at the youngster and say, well, you got to come up here and earn it, dude. Your accolades at AAA mean nothing up here. Or as a veteran, do you just sit back and say, you know what? Come here, youngster. I'm going to help sure. I'm going to help make sure that you live up to the potential that you have. Well, it was different when I came to the big leagues. It was very much about earning your stripes and showing that you belonged in the big leagues. That being said, I did have some guys that kind of took me under their wing. Jay Buhner comes to oh, mind. Buhner. Chris Boz, Chris Bozio, oh yeah, so yeah. comes to mind. I mean, tough love. I mean, beat me to death verbally, but then put their arm around me when no one was looking. Go buy me lunch and, and encourage me and teach me the ropes. It's a little bit different now. 
Uh, when I became a veteran player, you know, I, I'd see that new hot shot. I'd see, you know, I'd, I'd kind of size them up. But at the same time, what's the goal? The goal is to win games. And if this guy can help my team, of course, I'm going to do everything in my power to give him the best advice I can give him, to help him, mentor him a little bit, tell him things that I did that didn't work, things that I did that did work. So I think, especially today's game, it seems like the young players come up. And and as a rookie, they kind of have status already. Well, I, I, that blows my mind because it's like, man, that was different than my experience. It, it seemed like it was a long road for me to just prove that I was a big leaguer. You know, I had some tough managers early. Lou Pinella was hard on me. Ended up being my favorite, one of the favorite men in my life all time. But early on, he made me earn my stripes. And it wasn't just have a good game. It's like show me tomorrow and show me the next day. So different, different era now. But I think the guys today uh, encourage the young players. They're very embraced at, a, at an early age. I don't know. The, the, the jury's out. Is that better? Uh, maybe if if you make it less of a stress pool and 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 easier to fit in at an earlier maybe maybe they relax and they give you production early on. Uh, my way was kind of, you know, hey, you better prove it. And in the long run, I look back at, and I was better for it. I learned lessons. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just given to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what the which is the best way. I think today it's a little bit easier as a young player coming to the big league. What are you looking for in the modern day for a guy to know if he's going to stick? I mean, obviously, guys do have down years, and and sometimes they come up and and they they're awesome, and then they have a sophomore slump or whatever. But what are you looking for? What are the traits you're looking for? Because we got Patrick Bailey behind the plate right now for the Giants. He just look he just looks the part, and he and he's hitting the ball really well. But defensively, he looks the part. Casey Schmidt looks the part defensively. We got this kid Luis Matos who made his debut yesterday. What are you looking for as an old time baseball guy to know? Like, oh yeah, that guy's going to be okay long term. I look I look for a guy that's full of crap when he talks, but really believes what he says. If that makes sense, huh? I want a guy that believes in himself, knows he's good, will let you know he's good. But when you look into his eyes, he really believes that. I see that in a young player. I want him on my team because he's got a chance. There's a lot of guys that talk the game, especially you, you, you talk about a young player going through the draft, being a number one pick. Everybody's hanging out, and he, he's holding court about how, how good he is, how much money he made the court. Does that guy really believe that he could play at the big league level? I want that baseball player that's, that's uh, you know, a Dustin Pedroia type player that has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder but believes he can play. I'll take 10 of those guys all day long on my team. They're going to be humbled. I remember the players like that. They'd come up. Right. Uh, people would call them cocky. I would laugh. As long as you were respectful to the elder players, mm-hmm. be however you're going to be. This game is going to humble you. I wasn't a guy that really – roasted the young players or made them wear a dress on the plane. It's like, no, Greg Maddox is pitching tonight. He's going to do the humbling for me that I need. Hopefully you'll get your butt kicked, you'll get off the dirt, and and you'll become the player that you need to be. Because that's how we learn in this game. It's not by lessons. That, right. It's not by words. It's not by people standing on a podium and telling mm-hmm. you what it's like. Mm-hmm. It's it's trial and error. It, it It's life lessons. That's what makes us the the players we become and the guys that are tough enough to get up off the ground when they're beat up because you're going to be get beat up in this game. There's only very few Ken Griffey Juniors, Mike Trout's, uh, Harpers that from the beginning get it. Robert Acuna, Tatis, right? Those are those are anomalies. Those aren't the norm. 
So the rest of us have to kind of find our way, get beat up a little bit, come back, learn from it, and, and trial and error. And those are the ones that play in this game and play in this game a long time. Brett Boone joining us here on the Morty Ross on 95.7 Game. Check out his podcast, the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original. In this past week, he had John Miller, longtime voice of the Giants, as well as Mike Kruko on the podcast. So what, what you guys talk about, obviously a little bit of Giants, but what, what else did you get into with John Miller and Mike Kruko? I'll tell you, Kruk and Kai, they're, they're still, for, for an ex-player, believe me, I'm sure you guys have certain guys, but for me, it's tough to listen to a lot of uh, a lot of announcers, a lot of broadcasts. I, I mute the the button a lot when I'm watching games. Crook and Kite, from the time I played through current, I just I, I've always loved that duo. I, I think there's a genuine respect and love for one another. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told Kruko that in my interview. I, I just got a lot of respect. They love what they do, and they really care about each other. They're yin and yang. Crook's the pitcher. Kites the, the hitter. Uh, that was a great interview. But John Miller was just, he was different. I mean, I had a, a lot of questions. I'm always prepared. Uh, you asked three questions? Every interview. What did you ask? Three but questions and he took you two half, hours? I got to half of them. <laughs> I got to half of the questions with Johnny. He just went up. It was like a storybook. I mean, he went from 1974 Reggie Jackson's A's to, to Bonds to the great uh, – San Francisco years, the three World Series. He covered his Oriole career and following uh, following Cal Ripken and that whole thing. I mean, he was just – he went so long. We went two hours and ten minutes. We, we would have gone three hours. Uh, but I, I didn't get to – I was thinking about it. I'm like, all right, a good podcast, about 45, 50 minutes. We're at two hours and ten minutes. I can split those in two, and that's where we ended, the, ended it. So part two will be out Friday. It was a lot of fun, and he's just got – so many stories from his time around games, so many great calls and, and places he was in, in, in baseball history. Really fun. I love having guys on like that that are just have so such a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience, more importantly. You played at the Kingdom, correct? Yep. I did. Yeah. Like a video game. Yeah. And, and well, I want your perspective on this. Like what the A's are going through right now. Clearly, like there's the whole relocation thing, which I, I'm sure for a player can be its own thing. But talk about maybe playing in a facility that you deem as a major leaguer to be almost minor league-ish. Like you finally get to the bigs and you're at the big show and it's, man, this is where I wanted to be my whole life. And you look around and maybe the facilities aren't even close to as good as they were when you were in the minors. That's got to be kind of difficult to process. No, just wait to go on the road and you'll be back in the big league. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, when I came uh, to the Coliseum, the Coliseum was beautiful. It was kind of like Dodger Stadium before they turned it. They, they enclosed it and they turned it into, you know, a facility for football and baseball. Mm-hmm. I particularly loved hitting at the Coliseum. It was a dump. Mm. It, it wasn't an aesthetically pleasing place. You know, fans were sparse. Even when the teams in the early 90s, we had a big rivalry with the A's and the Mariners. They were some great teams. But the crowd wasn't. It was always cold and kind of damp. But you know what? As a player, when you, when you hit well somewhere – you don't care where you're playing. That's your favorite place to be on that particular day. So I didn't mind the Coliseum. Fast forward to today's standards. I mean, the standing in the minor leagues are so much nicer. The stadium, the A-ball facilities versus the ones I played in. It's night and day. So you're right. The AAA facility for Oakland in, in Las Vegas, the Aviators, it's tremendous. It's nicer than the Coliseum. So guys come up from AAA are like, what am I coming to? Especially with all the problems they're having this year. The fan situation, nobody's in the fan, in the stands. Similar to Tampa Bay, when I was playing, was 
compared to the other stadiums, couldn't really match up. Mm. Good place to hit, though. You know, I, I think in today's day and age, with the game the way it is, with the economics the way it is, it, Oakland just it, it's it's kind of got to move on. You know, with the with the challenges they have with the Giants and where they can build a new stadium, it, it's proven to be to me too complex. Uh, and this Vegas thing, money's going to win out in the long run. If if the money's there and and they can make it work in Las Vegas, I think they're going to. The commissioner of baseball is is going to worry a little bit about baseball in Vegas. One thing for football, you come in the night before you play a game, you get out of town. Right. Baseball's a different animal. You're going four days at a time, and do they want their guys running through Sin City four days at a time? That's <laughs> going to be a a different challenge in itself. You know, we'll leave it up to them. But in the end. The money's going to win out. They're going to build them a, a, an unbelievable stadium that could match the other venues in, in the game today. I think it'll be good for the game in the long run. Uh, money always wins, though. I hate to see it, though. The, pure, the purest in me hates to see them. The Oakland A's, they're, they're Oakland. They've got a history. Right. I hate to see the Bay Area lose the Oakland A's, but it's, it's been, you know, going on for 20 years now, and something's got to give at some point. Well, also, it's just, doesn't it kind of stink to see an owner who's been frugal and not showing his face get rewarded with the new stadium and get the relocation fee waived? That's what stinks about it is that the owner hasn't invested into this club. Right, and, and people, you know, you always talk about the economics of baseball. I went through in the 1994 strike with the owners when, when Bud Seeley canceled the, the uh, World Series. There's a reason when a franchise goes for sale that the billionaire line is out the door and they will bid and bid and they don't care what they pay. One thing about billionaires is they're not stupid. They're smart businessmen. They're billionaires for a reason. They make a ton of money for a reason. Same with having a franchise. It's just like, there wouldn't be a line out the door if it wasn't a money-making machine. I hate to see, yes, you're in a small market in Oakland. Uh, you don't, you're not going to have the, the revenue that you have as a Yankee. But I look at that, that salary scale and what they're paying. They're making money hand over fist. I don't, I, I don't have the numbers. I don't have the books. I don't even know how to read the books if I had them. But I know that, that – line up to buy franchises because they lose money if that was yeah they're winning a lot of money you hate to see it i don't know if there's gonna be something going forward where there's a minimum that you have to spend when it comes to owning a major league franchise it, you know they, they 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 tax you and when you go over the threshold now is there a penalty for you if you don't spend enough money maybe that's something to be be looked at yeah. going forward in major league baseball all right, Brett Boone here on Thanks, the Motor House on 95.7 The Game. We love having you on. We're going to do it again as this baseball season heats up. Giants are playing well. Four games over That's 500. Well. As of today, they're in the wild card, right? Yep, yep, there you go. And then they got a big three-game set against the Dodgers this weekend, and they're bringing up some of the youngsters. So next time we talk to you, we see where the Giants are at, if they're bidding for another player or a pitcher or whatnot. Uh, Brett Boone, thanks so much for the time today. Have a good weekend. Thanks, right. buddy. That was Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast and the Odyssey Original. Make sure to follow the Brett Boone Podcast on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcast.